such a good place to be, right? To wake up in the Father's house. Thank you, Amber. You guys can take your seats as we get started this morning. And I hope you're all feeling really great. I loved seeing so many of you out doing our workout this morning. Great way to start and see the sunrise and all of that. If you missed it today and you want to come tomorrow, feel free. And if you came today and you want to sleep in tomorrow, don't feel guilty. All right? So we love having you, and I hope you enjoyed that. But I hope you, whatever way you chose to spend your morning, I hope you had a great morning already. And it's just going to hopefully get better as we just spend time together in the Lord's presence. I know you are looking at the sun, okay? So if you need to even put on your sunglasses or whatever, feel free. Um, we're just going to get into the Word together. So I believe I told you last night, my daughter Mackenzie's here with me, and I love having her as a part of Fall Bible Getaway, but I want to tell you about when she was little and growing up in our home, I would wake her up in the mornings and I would sing this little song to her. Now, I haven't sung in a long time because she doesn't live in my house anymore, but it would go like this, good morning, good morning, good morning to my pumpkin head, good morning, good morning, good morning to my Mackenzie. And I just sung that song to her in the mornings because I wanted her to wake up in my love for her. I loved her so much. And I waited a long time to have her and to have her as my child. It was just such a blessing. And so I wanted her to wake up with that sense of love over her life. And how many of you as moms, do you have little songs you sing to your kids, even when they're grown and teenagers and they're like, ah, mom, you know, but you just keep singing that song. So hopefully Mackenzie, you liked hearing that this morning, right? <laughs> but I don't know if you've ever thought about how God starts the day in his house. How does he begin the day? Well, from scripture, it appears to me that God really loves music, right? It seems like he does. And I believe he loves it when we worship him. So I believe he loved it this morning as we spent time worshiping and praising him. And I hope even you do that. You know, in the mornings, even as you get up. I know I was up early this morning, and, and Billy came down, and she had her worship music playing. And I love that, because it just felt, you know, that, that God loves that. But I want to encourage you in this as well. I believe he likes to sing over us in the mornings, too. It's not that he likes to just hear us. I think he likes to sing over us, not in worship, but just in the love that he has for us. Scripture is very clear in Lamentations, one of my favorite passages, how he wakes us up every morning with new mercies. And how many of us are thankful for the new mercies? I call them down upon my life on a regular basis. But you know what? There's another passage in Zephaniah where we're told that he sings over us quietly and tenderly, but it's a song of victory and a song of life. And so you just put those two things together and just, you know, in um, just imagining what it's like in the Father's house, I, I just have to know that God wakes us up in his mercy, that those songs of love come out of his heart uh, towards us. And you know what? That alone... Uh, should be a, a beautiful thing that we just think about and are thankful for in the Father's house and a, and a great way to start our day. You know, so many people wake up with such burden over their life, and many times we do as well. But all the Holy Spirit has to do is remind us and start singing over us and speaking those new mercies over our life. I believe that's how God starts the day in his house. We're going to copy some scriptures again today, this morning as we get started 
And these scriptures, you'll see them as we work through um, our, our teaching time this morning. So I'm going to say turn your gaze to the screen, and I want you to do that, but the sun is so bright in here, which is so amazing, that you might not be able to see them. So what I'm going to do is, just so you're not having to constantly get up, I'm going to read these off for you, and you want to just write down these references at the top as you get started. So Psalm 27, but we're just going to copy verse 4 this morning. Psalm 27, 4. Then you've got Revelation 21, 23. Revelation 21, 23. Then 1 John 4, 16. 1 John 4, 16. 2 Corinthians 2, 15. I'm going to start at the top, just in case I've gotten ahead of anybody. Psalm 27, 4. Revelation 21, 23, 1 John 4, 16, 2 Corinthians 2:15. got three more, Colossians 3, 16, Colossians 3, 16, John 14, 2, and then Matthew 6, 10, okay? So we're just going to play some music in the background again. And I encourage you to copy these down. Remember, it's not a race, it's not a task, it's a privilege, right? All right, we'll do that, and then we'll jump into the Word together. So ladies, I'm going to bring that time to a close. You can always go back if you'd like later and and copy um, some of those. But we're going to see those uh, scriptures and hear those scriptures this morning as we work through it. I was talking to some of the ladies last night. And they were just sharing how, you know, I, I knew those scriptures when they were copying down. They, in other words, they were familiar with them. They said, but it was just so nice to have thought about them before you brought them up. Because they were already, you know, kind of just um, rolling through my head and my heart. And so then it just brought it together. So I hope that's going to be our experience. I'll be honest with you, this is the first time I've ever done this. Had people copying scriptures and then going to teach on them like that. I mean, we've certainly encouraged copying scripture in our ministry. We have a whole year of that on our website if you ever want to access any of those plans. They're like monthly plans divided by, you know, themes and you copy scriptures on those themes all month long. So we, we utilize scripture copying, but never I've never done it like this. And so um, I hope that it's a great experience for you. I think it's going to really help that because I know sometimes when I'm listening to teaching and, um, and a, a teacher is using this verse and this verse and this verse and they just kind of throw them out at me and, you know, I kind of hear them. But I haven't even had time to think about them a lot of times before they go on to the next one. And typically, my style of teaching is more to just really camp out in one passage. But we are kind of moving around a little bit this weekend against a backdrop of Psalm 27, 4 through 6. So we'll see how it goes. Love to hear some feedback from you as we, as we do that. Um, and we'll just move on with it throughout the weekend and see how it goes. It, it's, it's never a bad thing to be in God's Word, right? It's always a good thing. It's always a privilege. But speaking of Psalm 27, 4 through 6, I hope you're kind of reviewing this, thinking through it, all right? So let's, let's review that first part that we learned last night. One thing I have asked from the Lord that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. So David spoke that, but then in the passage he went on to say why he wanted so much to dwell in the house of the Lord. What does he say? It's that first line of that next part. To behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. 
That's why he wanted to be there. To behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. Say that one more time with me. To behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. One of the great things to do with memorization is to break it up in sections and then put it all together. So let's go as far as we know now. Starting with last night and then we'll add that first line in. One thing I have asked from the Lord that I shall seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. See, I think David said that because he had been in the Father's house long enough to see the beauty of the Lord and to experience all of the ways that God's beauty was manifested in his house. For the rest of the weekend, we're really going to be talking about that, the beauty of the Lord and how we get to experience that beauty in so many beneficial ways as we dwell with him. Day after day is where we get to live, right? In his presence. And so his beauty just becomes a part of the way that we live. I don't know about you. I love to look at beautiful things. I love to look at beautiful things. Uh, One of my favorite beautiful things to look at is the sky. And I walk a lot. I walk and pray a lot. And I'll do that in the mornings, a lot of times in the evenings. My husband and I will go on a walk, and I'm always just looking up at the sky and commenting on the sky. And um, the other night, we had gone on a walk. This was a few weeks ago, and we were, it was kind of near the sunset time, and we were rounding the corner to come back to our house, and this, you know, just beautiful sky just you know was so beautiful as I looked up it was it was different than I had ever seen it as many times as I've gazed up at the sky but it was like almost like there were navy blue streaks in the sky and I love navy blue anyway and I love pink and so navy blue streaks and then there were like these thin lines of pink running through the navy blue and then on each side it was like these big huge bursts of like orange and pink and I just like stood there like mesmerized by it my husband was too and then he said this he said that just does something on the inside of you, doesn't it? And I said, yes, that's it. It just does something on the inside of you. And I see that, I think that's how the beauty of the Lord affects us. It does something on the inside of us when we see this beauty in a world of brokenness and we see him for who he is and we get an up close and intimate look at who he is. It it does something on the inside of us. I think that's one of the reasons I love to look up at the sky even because I connect you know, the sky to him. And so it's like I I see this new canvas that he paints every time. I know even just recently, Brenda Williams, who's here with us, she had posted a picture on social media that I just loved. It was, uh, I love rainbows too, but it was a cloud and there was a rainbow in the cloud and it took my breath away. I don't even think I've gotten a chance to tell you that. I think I commented on it, but I was just like, oh my goodness, did you take that picture? Wow. It was incredible. You should look at it. You should be friends with her on social media this weekend and on social media and go look at that picture. But it was really, really something. God does these amazing things in front of us, you know, and, and we can see them in the sky. But let's let's translate that into the thought of being in his house, right? Not just looking up at him, but looking full on at him as we see him and beholding him. And then you get to experience the beauty of him all around you. So we're going to talk about that specifically this morning. What do we see when we enter the doors of our father's house? We've already discussed that we've got a key to get inside, right? That there's an open door. 
And that's crafted so gracefully, right? By grace, through faith, not of ourselves. It's the gift of God. Hopefully as you did your devotion this morning that was in your folder, you got a chance to ponder that and think about it. But now we want to discuss what do we actually behold, because that's the word that David uses, behold, when we get inside. And I'll remind you in your folder, if you want to use it, there is a note page and it's front and back today. And there's actually some prompts and fill in the blanks in there that you can use just to kind of stay along with me. You don't have to. That's just the teacher in me, right? (laughs) Just want to make sure you get your thoughts organized as you go along. But right there on those notes, you'll see at the beginning it says, Define, behold. And I want us to talk for a minute about the word behold. Because David said what? To behold the beauty of the Lord. You can say it with me. To behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. See, when you behold something... It's a whole lot more than just looking at it visually and taking in what you're seeing intellectually. It includes that. You've got to see it to behold it. You've got to think about it to behold it. But when you behold something, you also take that in in an experiential way. So when we open the doors and we come across the threshold of our Father's house, we're going to see His beauty physically. But when we behold his beauty, it's more than that. There's going to be a dynamic that we actually get to experience his beauty at well as well. So let's keep that in mind and let's just talk about what we behold. And let me just say this before we even get started. There's so much to behold in the house of the Lord. There's no way we could talk about it all. We're just going to talk about a handful of things um, this morning. So let's, let's note this one first, though, that it is his house. It's his house. Now, that might seem obvious, but it's important to really note that because, yes, we've been invited in. Yes, we all have a key to to have access. And yes, that invitation was an invitation to abide, as we saw last night. So an invitation to stay there. So we can fully move in and it becomes our home. We get to live forever in the Father's house, but that's just it. It's his house. It's the Father's house. It's not my house. It's not your house. We get the privilege of living there, but it's his house. And because of that, when we step into him, which we defined last night is stepping into Christ, dwelling in Christ, and we make that decision, yes, I want to lose, I want to live here. I don't want to just visit. I don't want to just show up every holiday when, when most people come for the celebration. No, I want to dwell here day in, day out. One of the first things that you're going to behold when you walk in the door is the design of his house. What's the design like? What's the light like? What's the atmosphere or the smell or the conversation or the standards? All these things and more. Just like if you walk into any other house and you spend some time there, you're going to begin to start to see these things. And these things in the Father's house are going to be reflective of him because it's his house. It's his house. And we not only get to see that intellectually, like take it in and, and we see it and we could maybe tell somebody, oh yeah, well he has a blue couch or, you know, he, he likes green. So all the floors are green. What, you know, just like the carpet or the carpet of the world is like grass, right? I don't know. But, you know, you're, you're seeing these things from an intellectual um, mindset, but you're also experiencing them. So we're going to talk about both of those. Get that in your mind about the word behold. It's seeing it from an intellectual standpoint, but it's also experiencing it. So let's start with then, 
now that we know it's his house and we've defined that, what is the design of the father's house? What's the style? You know, everybody has a style of how they like to decorate. Even if you don't have a style, that's your style. You just kind of whatever, you know? Okay, that's your style, whatever style. If any of you watch HGTV, and I'm one of those girls, at lunchtime I watch HGTV pretty much every day just for, you know, my little 20 minutes, get my lunch, and I'll watch an episode of, usually I'm doing some kind of Caribbean houses. I love to look at those and dream. But anyway, people will walk in a house, and usually the first thing they'll say is, oh, this is really our style. Or they'll say, oh, that's not really my style. We, we all have a style of what our house is like. So what is God's style? What's his house like? Well, I think there's quite a few things that we would see, we would take in right away. And you might say, well, how, how would you know what that is? Well, years of dwelling in Christ. I've gotten used to what it's like in the Father's house. I, I've gotten... Uh, become aware of some things that he likes and some things that he doesn't. So let me just run down some some things here as far as his design and style. I think one of the first things we would notice is that it's a house of order. It's a house of order. In fact, last night when we were doing our roommate, roommate devotion, Nicole and Sarah and I, in her prayer, Nicole talked about how God's house was a house of order. And I thought, oh, we're going to talk about that tomorrow. <laughs> she, and she, we hadn't even discussed that. But his house is a house of order. God created, you think about it, he created the world with order and balance and rhythm and symmetry. Not confusion. So I believe that in his presence, in his house, he's going to have order. Things are going to have their place. I think we'll see decorations of things that are like antique, like ancient, right? But we're going to also see like modern, trendy things. And why is that? Because God is eternal. He's been around forever. So he's going to have things in his home, displayed in his home, that are like antiques that we might would think would be outdated, but they're not. They're very current to him because he's eternal. And yet there's going to be things that are very current right now to us. We're talking metaphorically. We're going to get out of the metaphor in a minute, so just go with me here, okay? I believe we're going to see richness as well. God owns everything. So how could there not be just a display of wealth everywhere you look in his house? Another thing I think you would see is really a flair. You know, sometimes when you walk into homes, there's like bold statements of things, right? Even maybe when you walked up the doors of this house. I mean, there's... Those light pictures over the table, you know, they're just bold statements or those big pictures of those fish back there, you know, or this big window here, bold statements. Why do I think that? Look at how God created the world. I mean, sunsets every day and sunrises make bold statements, waterfalls and mountain peaks and all the things. God makes statements wherever he is, where his presence is. And I think we would see that in his house. I believe we also feel and experience and see... uh, a, a place that envelops people because God loves people, right? He's all about people. He loves their stories and their purpose and their company and their fellowship. And so I think that's a big part of the design or the style of God's house that it's welcoming to people and lots of people are always there. I think the word and the truth is just going to exude out of the walls of God's house. I mean, he told us in the book of Deuteronomy to write his words above our doorpost. I think they're go- it's going to be all over in his house. And I believe we'll also see things that really go together. Like, you know, we would think, oh, those colors go nicely together in a regular house, right? We would think that. But then have you ever been in someone's house and you're like, hmm. You know, that's different. You need choice, yes. You know what? 
It's his house. And so you're probably going to walk in and you're going to really like some things. But there's going to be some things that you're like, hmm, I think I would have done that a little bit differently, right? I mean, look at like a giraffe that God created. I would have never thought to do that. <laughs> or there's been many times that I've wondered, why did he create wasps? I hate wasps, you know? But he did. He put them in the world. And so there's things, you know, just the idea here is it's still his house. So even though we're probably going to love a lot of things about it, there's probably going to be some things that we would have done differently. The point is, with all of this in his house, and we could continue to imagine, and I encourage you even to do that, you know, in your conversations today. But when you see these things, you take them in visually, you, you become aware of them, but you also experience, because we're talking about beholding. So I know that's a lot of metaphor, so let's just render this, one of those things, into a real life example. For instance, we talked about order, how God would have a style of order. Things would have their place, right? Well, when we come to dwell in Christ and we find that his house is a house of order and we can walk in and we can know that and we can know that intellectually, like we can say, yes, God created the world with order. And we could say on day one, he created this. And day two, he created this. And day three, he did this. And we could talk about, you know, scientific of how the sun rises and the moon, you know, and all of those things. And it's great to know that stuff intellectually. I'm not dismissing that in any way. But when you dwell in the house and you're beholding the beauty of God's house, that beauty and that quality of order, there's an experience for you of that order as well. So you don't just see it, but you behold it. And what happens is because you're experiencing it, you begin to adapt to that. And it begins to manifest in you as well. You experience it. For instance, where confusion and chaos might be your more natural bent, right? You just kind of live on the fly all the time or different things. The more you behold the beauty of God's order and you meditate on it, like because you live there, you dwell on it, so you're seeing it and experiencing it all the time, it begins to affect you. So you might have started to dwell in Christ with a very confused mind. Your, your thoughts might have been all over the place about all kinds of things and about yourself, about the world around you, about the people and all of that around you. But the more you dwell in Christ and you behold the beauty of his order, things begin to have their place in you as well. Do you see that? That's an experience of God's order. You don't just see it. You don't just, you know, note the facts of how God is orderly. But that order begins to affect you as well. You, you might have come into the house with chaos in your relationships or chaos in your time management skills or, you know, chaos in your self-care. But the more you stay in his house and you dwell there and you behold the beauty of his style of order, it begins to affect you too. And your life begins to become one of order and rhythm and symmetry. Do you see what I mean by that? It's that experiencing of his beauty as well. We're speaking in metaphor, but we're expecting the reality of these metaphorical truths to touch us and change us because we're in his house beholding his beauty. And that then begins to be reflected in us. His style, the longer you live in God's house, his style is going to become your style. His style will become your style. That's one of the ways you know, am I really dwelling in Christ or am I just visiting every now and then? If you visit every now and then, there's going to continue to be a vast distinction between the way God does things and the way you do things. But when you dwell in him, 
That begins to mesh together because you're beholding. You're seeing it. You know the facts about God. But then those things become part of your experience. We could literally spend all day on God's style and just meditate and think and imagine. And I believe the Holy Spirit would just, you know, really give us some, some interesting thoughts. So again, I encourage you to do that. But we're going to move on and talk about some other things. So the next one, the lighting of God's house. That would be the next thing there on your notes. The lighting of God's house. Sometimes when you go into a house, it just feels dark, right? Maybe the walls are dark or the windows are kind of small or not placed where the light really would come in nicely or the blinds are pulled, you know? Some people really like being in a dark house. That That's not me. I mean, when I wake up in the morning, I'm like, let's open the blinds. Let's lift the light in, you know? And I think in, in the case of the Father's house, I think he likes light. In fact, I know he does because we're told that Jesus is the light of the world. God loves light. You copied Revelation 21, 23. And it, it told you there that in heaven, there's not going to be need of a sun or a moon, right, to light. Why? Because Jesus is the source of light. So if we're dwelling in him... The lights are always going to be on. There's always going to be light streaming in the house because we're living in Jesus himself. We're living in him. Jesus is the light of the world. Now, two things about that. Number one, I just mentioned it. It's always going to be filled with light. But that also means there's no living in the darkness when you dwell in Christ. No living in the darkness anywhere in the house because the house is built and filled with a source of light who is Jesus. So when you walk in the door to the Father's house and you make that decision to dwell in Christ, yes, you're going to know that intellectually. Jesus is the light of the world. We could sing it in songs. We could write it down on a sign we put in our house or on a bumper sticker on our car. All of that. But that's also going to affect the experience of your life as well. You know, all of us probably have places in our homes where we hide things, right? You might hide things from your kids because you don't want to break them. You might hide your chocolate because you don't want to share it, right? Uh, sometimes we had, hide bad habit, habits and sin patterns because we don't want other people to see them. Sometimes even on the inside of us, we hide pain or struggles that we just don't want anybody to know about. But when we dwell in Christ, when we dwell in Christ, when we're in the Father's house, what we've got to understand, that's not even possible, <coughs> It's not even possible to do that because his light is streaming everywhere and it's going to expose everything. Hebrews 4, you didn't copy this, but Hebrews 4.13, which by the way, on your note pages, there's a little box on the back that says also copy. So if I mention the scripture and you're like, oh, I like that one. And you're like, oh, I want to write that down later. You could go back later and do that. Okay. So Hebrews 4.13 tells us this. It says there's no creature hidden from God's sight. But all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. That means God sees everything. Now we know that. But when you live in the Father's house, you become very aware of it. There's no hiding in the darkness. In Jeremiah 23, verse 24, God asks this question. He says, can a man hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him? Do I not fill heaven and earth? God says. With his light. So the truth is there's no hiding from God. Now, 
That's one of those things. It's like, oh, I love the light. That's beautiful. But that is painful. <laughs> that could be a really painful thing. So it's beautiful and painful all at the same time. And when I teach Pilates, I say it hurts so good, right? Because sometimes it feels good to stretch those muscles, but it also hurts. So it hurts so good. It hurts in a good way. It's painful and beautiful all at the same time. It's painful because we might not like it. This might be one of those things that, no, I want to turn the light off when I'm talking about this or feeling this. But God's light stays on at all times. So we have to yield to that experience. And sometimes that can be really painful to bring things into the light. But it's also beautiful because then the light does all the things that light does. And it, it, it brings about a freedom. But it does so much more even just, than just that. Earlier this year... Um, for something else I was preparing for, I had made a, a list of many, many, many things that light does. I'm not going to read the whole list, but I want to read some of it to you. Light brightens. Light reveals. Light cuts. You know, in like a laser surgery, light cuts. Light heals. It guides. Light sets the tone. Light gives warmth. Light provides energy. Light creates color. Light differentiates, light builds immunity, it keeps awake, it penetrates, and so many more things. So it is painful sometimes for the Lord to bring things into the light that maybe we would rather keep hidden. But there's so much beauty and so much benefit to living in the light at all times. And we get that benefit. We get to behold that part of the beauty of the Lord. Not just be able to tell somebody Jesus is the light of the world, but to experience it. Let's talk about another thing. The atmosphere of God's house. What's the atmosphere? What's the feel of his house? You know, sometimes when you walk into a house, you can feel the atmosphere of that home. Maybe the home feels tense or cold or there's a sense of, you know, you're just not welcome there or even an evil foreboding in the home. I don't know if you've ever walked into a place and you can just sense that, that there's just that there's there's some evil in this home. I've been in homes like that before. But I've also been in homes where I've felt the warmth. I've felt the kindness. I've felt the love literally just exuding out of the walls. There's been a few times where over the 33 years that I've been married that people have said to us, I can sense the presence of the Lord in your home. And I love it when people say that because I want that to be my house. But you know what? How much more is Christ's presence going to fill his own house and set the tone and the atmosphere? And how does the Bible define God? If we had to put him in one word, you copied this scripture from 1 John 4, 16. We've come to know and we have believed in love which God has for us. God is love, right? That's who he is. So his presence is going to fill the house. So it's going to be an atmosphere of love. That's an amazing kind of beauty to get to experience. See, when we abide in his house... There's going to be a sense of love in the atmosphere. It's going to define the atmosphere. It's going to invade it. It's going to envelop the people, all the people, even the people we don't like that are in the house. It's going to envelop all of them in the atmosphere of his love. And that's just an amazing place to live. And I think once we truly start to dwell in that kind of love, to abide in this eternal, perfect love, because we, we sang this earlier, he's perfect in all of, our, all of his ways, so he perfectly loves. And that's going to be then a place where just the atmosphere, 
atmosphere of the home. You, you are going to walk in it every time. It's not like you're going to walk in and everybody's having a bad day, so it just feels like tense in the house. You know how that feels? Like you walk in like, whoa, what happened here today? Right? It's not going to be like that in the Father's house. All the time, from the time that you get there forever, the atmosphere of God's home is going to be a place of love. There's going to be a sense of acceptance and belonging and nurturing of everyone, not just the special few, right? But everybody gets nurtured. Everybody gets cared for. Everybody gets inspired by the love of God. How does that happen? That's like a miracle divine place to live. That's why it's the Father's house, right? He can do that. He can create that kind of atmosphere. We want to create those kinds of atmospheres in our homes, and we should make effort to that. Right? Because we want our house, our physical house that we live here on this earth to, to be a representation of the Father's house. But God really can do that. Day in, day out, every minute, it doesn't change. It wrap, This love, this atmosphere will wrap you up in its affection and create that sense of safety and blessing and, and, and a continual pouring out of that love. It's not like you get, oh, that's your share for today. Come back tomorrow. It's not like that. It's just continually flowing all the time. Talk about the beauty of the Lord. To get to live in a place like that. We see it. We can tell people that God is love, but it's more than just mental awareness, right? When you're really dwelling in Christ, it's not an intellectual thing that God is love. It's an experiential thing. You, you experience that in the morning when you wake up, throughout the day as you go through your day. You might be in a place working where there is strife all around you. But where do you dwell? Where do you dwell? Where is home for you? So that love is enveloping you even when you're sitting at your desk or you know in your classroom as a teacher or whatever where there's strife. You might be in a hospital, you might be in pain, or somebody you love is in pain, but where do you dwell? You dwell in a place where love has invaded the atmosphere, so it's invading you, right? Maybe even in your own physical home, there is not a sense of love there. There's not a sense of warmth. There is tension. There is strife. Maybe you don't even feel like you belong in your own home, and that is a hard place to be, but it happens to a lot of people, right? But that's not where you really dwell. That's where you're at physically while you're here. But on the inside of you and where your heart dwells, where your home really is, that's the sense of being in the love of God. Changes everything. Changes how we relate to the world, how we relate to ourselves when we dwell in the house. And we there's never a moment... It's not just reserved for the holidays or the special day when it's your birthday. You get that special nurturing. It's all the time. You know, some of us love our birthdays and we say, well, let's make it birthday week, birthday month, birthday year. You know, that's the way it is in, the God, in God's house where there's a sense of you matter. But everybody else does too. So the competition's gone. All that stuff that is so weighing down in death, right? None of it's there. Not when we're really dwelling not when we're really dwelling in the Father's love, that atmosphere. But what else? Because we could talk about that all day too. What else do we behold of the beauty of the Lord? You know, one thing that people notice right away when they walk in a house is how it smells, right? So what would be the aroma of God's house? What's God's house going to smell like? Well, I'm convinced it's an aroma of life. An aroma of life. 
In the Old Testament, we read of God instructing his people over and over again to offer sacrifices to the Lord. And there's always this phrase that comes along with it. It will be a soothing aroma to the Lord. And because we see that so often in the Old Testament, it tells me that God likes things that smell good. He does. He likes things that smell good. I'm super sensitive to smell. Maybe you are too. God is as well. He likes things that smell good. And I believe that the reason the sacrificial offering smelled so good to God is because they were prophetic pictures of the one sacrifice of his son, Jesus, who he knew would bring life to all. These aromas were hints of the fragrance of life that was going to come. And why was that life such a soothing aroma to God? Because our God, our Father, hates death. And he never intended death of any kind to be a part of our experience. And that would be physical death, but that's also talking about emotional death or mental death or death of purpose in our lives, death of just day-to-day relationships, all kinds of ways that death affects us way beyond just your physical body dying. And here's the thing. Death has a smell about it. And death is, has a smell that is ugly and putrid. It's awful. But because of the sacrifice of Jesus, the stench of death is gone for all who choose to dwell in the house. Instead, there's a soothing aroma, I believe, flowing through the house, and it's an aroma of life. So it's no wonder that in the New Testament we read this from 2 Corinthians 2.15. You copy this. But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. So that same aroma that smelt so good to God all through the Old Testament that was really a prophetic aroma of Jesus, now what that saying is, you've been in the house, so that's what you smell like too. It's a soothing, sweet aroma of life. How many of us know when you are in a place for very long that has a very strong smell about it, you begin to smell like that. When Mackenzie was a teenager, she worked at Coldstone Creamery, the ice cream place. And I could be all the way on the other side of the house, but when she would open the door at night to come in, I would know she was home before she said a word because the smell of sugar invaded my house. I loved it, right? And we also loved it when we would be like, what'd you bring home? <laughs> you know, because we love ice cream in our house. But um, and many times she did, you know, bring it home. Sometimes she'd say, oh, I ate my freebie at there. I'm like, ah, come on, where's our, where's our stuff? But... We loved it. And even long after she finished working there, that I wore the apron, the Cold Stone apron, and it smelled, even after I washed it many times, it smelled like sugar. And see, when we live in the house of God, when his house is where we dwell, we're going to begin to carry about the aroma of the house of God. It's that aroma of the sacrifice of Jesus. And it's pleasant. It's sweet. It's soothing. And it goes wherever we go. Because the aroma of life permeates the house. And we don't just know that, right, in our heads. We don't just speak it out loud with our mouths. We actually experience that. That's why God tells us we manifest that sweet aroma all throughout our lives. So the longer we dwell in the house and we behold this beauty of the Lord, the scent of the life of Christ is going to go with us. It's going to go into our conversations into our entertainment choices, 
into our struggles, into our thinking, into our jobs and interactions with businesses when we're running errands and popping in and out of places. We're just carrying this scent of life with us. It's just who we are. It goes into our relationships at church and into our marriages and into all of our experiences. Here's what I have come to know. The longer I have been really dwelling in Christ, when I really made him my home, and I know that the smell of life is beautiful there and it invades all these spaces, my nose has become so ultra-sensitive to the scent of death, and I hate it. I hate it. I hate for that smell of death to show up anywhere. You know how you walk by, sometimes maybe the garbage is a little rank in your house or whatever, you're like, is that right and you can just smell that or you're getting a hint of something that you know is off as a believer we should be so enveloped in the aroma of christ that when we even get a hint of that putrid ugly smell of death coming out of conversations or coming out and showing up in our attitudes or showing up in other people's attitudes that we are offended by that smell that we don't want that smell that we, if it's on us, that we're like, God, clear it out of me. Clean me. What, what happened to me, right? i got to get in the house. i got to be in the place where the aroma is life. That's what I want. I hope you want that too. What about the conversations in his house? I love this verse we copied from Colossians because I believe it allows us to listen in on some of the conversation that just flows in the Father's house. Colossians 3.16, it says, Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom and teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. See, I think in the Father's house, the conversations are going to be filled with the word of God. It doesn't mean everybody's going to always be sitting around the table going, Let's have our Bible study today, everyone. No, it's not that. It's just hanging out. You just talk. It just flows in the conversation. We talk about the word of God, about the promises of God that are in his word, about the inspirations, the way God spoke to us this morning about something from his word, the standards, all of it. It just flows in conversations. I think in the house it's going to be filled with teaching. I think God homeschools us, right? He, he teaches us as we're in the house. Just like we just teach our kids as we go along the way. And we see them doing something and we show them to do it a different way. There's teaching in the house of God. It's filled with admonishment. Again, just like with our kids. When they need to be corrected in a loving way. Hopefully that's the way we do it. I know 2020 and all of its challenges has maybe made that even more challenging, but you know, um, and and I'll just confess when, when I was, had my little kids at home, my kids are grown now, but when they were little, I was like, I didn't even know I had an anger issue till I had kids. You know, I mean, you discover things about yourself, right? So no blame that I'm putting on anyone. So God had to do a deep sanctification work in me and Mackenzie could tell you some stories, and I hope she won't. But all that to say, all that to say, and actually there's no hiding in the house of God, so sure, bring it on. It's fine, right? The light reveals it all. The light reveals it all. But the idea is that there's correction in the house of God. And that shouldn't shame us or make us feel like we've got to go down to the basement tonight. God just does that, right? It's part of the flow of the conversation. It happens. It's not shaming. It's, it's building us up. There's also psalms and songs of truth that are just flowing in the house. In our house, we have several Alexas, and we always have worship music playing now. God's going to always have just, you know, songs of praise are just going to be there. Thankfulness. It's so nice to be around a grateful spirit in people, right? That's just going to be the atmosphere, the conversation of his house. 
One of the ways that we can know, am I dwelling in a house, is to look at these things and go, is that a part of my just conversation on a daily basis? Or do I wait for like prescribed Christian gathering moments for this kind of conversation to define me? Because sometimes I think we want to we feel like, yes, I've made a decision to dwell in the house, but a lot of the things that we're going to be talking about this weekend are kind of like um, you know, filters to see, am I really doing that? And not in a way that would then shame us, but in a way to go, wow, i got to spend more time at home. <laughs> right? I might have unpacked my bags there, but I'm not there very often. And that shows out in the way that maybe some of these things are not manifesting in me. So this would be the conversation in the house of God, I believe. And it's life-giving conversation. And we don't just know that verse, memorize that verse, and say that, but we live that. These things begin to define our conversations. And it's beautiful. There's so many aspects of the beauty of the Lord we could discuss. And um, like I said, we could just go all day. But we're going to do um, one more. And it's this one. The size of our Father's house. You copied that scripture from John 14 this, where he was telling his disciples, In my Father's house are many rooms, right? Or maybe your version said many dwelling places. And he said, I go there and I'm going to prepare a place for you. Now, if you're as old as me, you've probably through the years heard lots of different descriptions of what that means. And people like to put it in like gospel songs and things like that where God's going to go to heaven and he's going to build me a house on the lake with a big front porch and paint it all blue because that's my favorite color. And, you know, people dream of what that means, this house that God's going to go to heaven and build us. And, you know, it's fun to imagine that and all the things. I, I've heard it all over the years and had my own wish list for God. But really, I think this is saying two things. One, there's a lot of space. In God's house. And he's always willing to add on more, right? And secondly, when Jesus is saying he's going to go, it's not like he's going on a house building effort for you in heaven to build your, you know, style of house. What he's referencing here, he says, when I, I go there to prepare a place for you, he was referencing going to the cross to make sure that you have a room in the Father's house, to make sure that there's room for anyone, whosoever will. Come, the door would be open. See, we can know because of what Jesus did on the cross, there's space for me in the house. Like, I get a room, and you get a room, Kim, and you get a room, Julie, and Debbie, you get a room. But you know what else? There's plenty of space for others. Everyone that will take the key. Jesus is like, I'm going to, I'm going to, this, this is a massive house. Massive house. You think about all the people who have lived throughout the centuries, right? That have been invited in the house. Can, can you imagine how big the house of God is? And yet there are still more rooms. There's still more rooms. I was thinking last night when I was praying through some things and I, I had a new thought about this I hadn't thought before. You know, as moms, those of you who are my age, you know how hard it is to let your kids go and they go off to college and they move out of your house and you've got that empty nest. And there's kind of nice, you know, sometimes, you know, just have your life cut back and it's, it's your own space and you and your husband. But, you know, there's always, as a mom, that deep longing, I want my kids home. Like, you love it when they, when they come up. Do you know what's so cool? Is that when I, as a parent, make a decision to dwell in Christ, 
And then my kids also make a decision to dwell in Christ. Guess what? You put your whole family back under the same roof again. And I thought, that's awesome as a mom, right? That's very redeeming to my heart to know that, yes, they are going to live physically in the same space with me, but we can dwell in the same house. There's space. There's so much space in the Father's house. You know, we often think of living with God as something that we're going to do in heaven. We might have even thought of the Father's house as being in heaven. And no doubt, the fullness of living with God is definitely going to be heightened beyond what we can even imagine here when we arrive in heaven. But the truth of the matter is, God has made a way for us in Christ to abide in him now. To dwell in Christ. To behold his beauty And as we live in him and we make that decision to do that, we get to do that now. And when we do, here's what happens, ladies. This is so amazing. Heaven literally comes to earth. Heaven comes to earth. You copied a small portion of the Lord's Prayer today from Matthew 6, 10, where Jesus was praying and he said, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, Jesus prayed that because part of his mission was to bring heaven to earth. But as we've seen this morning, when we abide in Christ and we behold his glory, and so we're not just seeing it, but we're experiencing it, his prayer of thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know what happens? That gets answered in us. We become part of the answer because as we see and we experience the beauty of the Lord in his house, we actually begin to take on that same nature, right? We begin to live like that. And so we become part of bringing the kingdom of God to earth, in heaven as it is on earth. You know, David said, let's say that part with me again that we're memorizing today, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. When you meditate on something, you basically think on it over and over again. It just kind of marinates in your mind. And you let that truth sink into us. So let's, let's do that for a minute now in light of this idea of you know, bringing heaven to earth. Think back through some of these things we've talked about. His style of order. When I dwell in my father's house and I behold that style of order... And so my life begins to experience order, right? It begins to experience order. In the midst of the confusion in this world, and how many of you know this is a confused place to live right now? In the midst of the confusion and the chaos in the world around me, I've got order in my life. I've got order in my thoughts. I've got order in my words. I've got order in my self-care. There's a nice balance between, you know, standing up and yet being humble. There's just order in my life. Do you not know that you are bringing heaven to earth when you do that? Because that is not what earth is like, a place of order these days. Think about when you dwell in the Father's house and you behold the beauty of his light. And you begin to live in his light, not hiding things in the darkness in your life. You're going to be shining that light all around because that is not the way that people live these days. You're going to be bringing heaven to earth. When you dwell in your father's house and you take in the beauty of his love day in and day out, you don't just see it, but you experience that love. You live in it. That love is going to begin to affect you. It's going to begin to change you. It's going to be filling you up all day long. And so it just can't help but spill out of you everywhere you go. Don't you know when that is how you live, when you dwell in him in that love, 
You're going to be bringing that to earth. You're going to be a part of that. When you dwell in the Father's house and the aroma of life becomes a part of who you are and you begin to carry that aroma wherever you go, whatever you say, how you're acting, it's an aroma of life. That's so different than the death that you see all around you, right? When you dwell in the Father's house and the conversational style of the Father's house begins to um, affect you and manifest in you. Don't you know that is going to shine out into the world where there is just putrid death coming out of most people's mouths most of the time? It's going to be a stark difference. It's going to be very distinguished. You're going to be bringing heaven to earth. And when you dwell in this massive space of the Father's house that's not pushing people away, but is drawing people in, and day by day, as you live there, you see the Father's heart for more to come. And you see this huge pile of keys laying by the door that he just can't wait to hand out. You're, it's going to change your, your um, way that you interact with people as you become an invitation for people to come. To come into the Father's house. And don't you know that when you do that, you're bringing the will of the Lord to earth. His kingdom come. His will be done on earth as it is in heaven as we meditate on that and we think about these privileges of being able to dwell in the house of the lord and behold his beauty these things are going to manifest in us what a what a beautiful privilege to get to bring heaven to earth just in those ways and that's just some of the beauties that we can talk about this morning it's the difference we're going to say this many times this weekend it's the difference between the person who dwells in the house of the lord and the person who visits, right? It's very different. Because when you just visit, you're probably not going to behold. You're probably not going to experience these things and let them transform you. But when you live there and you are continually beholding the beauty of the Lord, it will begin to change you. You know, in the Old Testament, as you read the stories, people continually identified themselves by their father's house. Many times they would introduce themselves by their father's name. Whatever way the father did it, that's the way they would do it. Whatever the father was known for, that's what they were known for too. And you know, ladies, I would say this this morning as we bring things to a close. May the same be said of us, right? As we hold this key we've been given and we choose to dwell in the father's house, may we see his beauty experience it, and then be identified by it, right? Bringing heaven to earth. What a privilege. A privilege to get to live in a place like that. And our desire is that this weekend, this house is going to be reflective of all of those things too. We're going to take just a few moments to just listen to a worship song. Amber's going to get that set up for us. And it's really just a nice response of us to the Father as he's shown us his house this morning. You might know this song, you might not, but whatever the case, during this time, we want to just encourage you to just worship God for his beauty. Maybe certain things have really caught your eye or your heart this morning as we've talked through some of these different things that you will see in the beauty of the Lord in um, the scriptures this morning. So however you want to respond, maybe you know the song, sing along with it. 
Maybe you want to journal some things down to the Lord. Maybe you want to write out a prayer to the Lord in response of worship as this song plays. Maybe you want to get up and dance for the Lord and how beautiful He is and just honor Him that way. It's free. Whatever you want to do, feel free to do that. We're just going to thank God for the benefit of His beauty. And then as we close that out, Nicole will come and give us a few directions to head out from here.